0: We've come to Lord's Day 50 in the Heidelberg Catechism, where the Church has summarized what we confess and what the Bible teaches about the fourth petition. Here we confess the following. What is the fourth petition? Give us this day our daily bread, that is, provide us with all our bodily needs so that we may acknowledge that you are the only fountain of all good, and that our care and labor and also your gifts cannot do us any good without your blessing. Grant, therefore, that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it only in you. After the sermon, we will respond together with the words of Hymn 63, 1, 2, and 5. Congregation of the Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray the fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread, it might seem as if it's less important than the other petitions. After all, the name of God and the will of God and the kingdom of God are of greater importance. And yet, congregation, we should never think that we may not come before God's throne or that we may not come before His throne with our earthly needs. We have confessed already in Lord's Day 1 and, and Lord's Day 9 that our Father in heaven is both able and willing to give us all things and he does not forget that we need food and drink he does not put food and drink before his name and his kingdom and his will as we are often inclined to do but he does place this at the beginning of the second half of the lord's prayer jesus tells us to place the request for food and drink ahead of the prayer for forgiveness and and protection from temptation And we would ask them, why does he do this? Well, he does this because our physical needs must be met so that we can live spiritually. On this earth, we have to have food and drink so that we can live with and for God. And so we must pray for our daily bread. And when we do that, that means we are praying for our daily labor. Our labor is the means by which the Lord gives us our food. And so that's the theme for the sermon. The prayer for daily bread implies a prayer for our daily labor. And we will see three things. That in this petition we pray that God will supply bread through our labor. We pray for a blessing on our labor. And we pray for grace to trust God as we labor. So when we pray for our daily bread, we're also praying about the means by which we receive that bread, our daily labor. We are praying that God will supply our daily bread by means of our daily labor. So to put this a different way, this petition is the prayer of a believer who wants to work. Believers want to work, even though we labor under the curse of sin. In Genesis chapter three, after Adam and Eve fell into sin, God said to Adam, Cursed is the ground because of you, in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life, and by the sweat of your face you shall eat your bread. And so we understand that our mandate to work and our mandate to cultivate the earth, it needs our prayers if we are to do that in this environment. Fulfilling the mandate to earn our daily bread in a world of pain and sweat requires the help of God. And so our prayer must be accompanied by labor, since that is the means by which God gives us our daily bread. Now, the unbeliever would say, Well, I don't need prayer. I can just go to work and I can earn, earn my daily bread. I can just do it myself. And, and to the human eye, that might seem like that's really the reality, isn't it, right? It's not that hard to find paid work, and, and all you have to do to get some groceries is drive to the grocery store and fill up your cart and swipe your card, and away you go. Many of us have probably done that many times without even thinking about it twice. Who really needs help to do all of this? But our labor and material possessions, congregation, cannot take the place of prayer. We cannot guarantee our own life, our own survival. The Lord Jesus says you cannot add a day to your life by, or one breath to your life, even in your own power, let alone our daily bread. And so that's why labor and prayer belong side by side. So this petition for our daily bread is is an implicit confession at the same time. With this petition, we confess our dependence on God, not only for our spiritual needs, but also our physical needs. We confess that God is the fountain of all good, and we do well to pay attention to that little word, all. In all matters, spiritual as well as physical, we go to God. And we trust in God because he is the fountain of all good. We acknowledge him as the source. And we confess that he cares for us. He also cares that we receive our daily bread. But in his care for us, he doesn't just simply rain down bread from heaven. We confess that our care and labor cannot do us any good without his blessing. So... That means that we're confessing that we must take care and we must labor. Our care and our labor are the means that God has ordained for us to obtain our daily needs. And so the words today and daily clearly indicate the need to labor and to go to work. That's true in the animal kingdom too. Swallows have to do a lot of flying to collect enough insects to fill their empty stomachs, and cattle and sheep and other animals have to do a lot of foraging every day in order to survive, right? This is the order of God's providential care. It is his will that all creatures labor for their daily food. So that means you can't just pray this petition, give us this day our daily bread, and then sit back and wait for God to just give you something on a silver platter, with the word care in Lord's Day 50, we mean then that we must take care. It means that we're, we're careful with our finances and our possessions. We are aware of our circumstances and opportunities. We plan wisely and we budget responsibly. We don't live carelessly and simply assume that God will provide no matter what. At the same time, however, we do not live With anxious care. Jesus tells us, do not be anxious about tomorrow, because your Father in heaven will provide. We don't have to be anxious about tomorrow, because we know that our Father cares. Instead of being anxious, we are simply called to go to work. Since we're created in the image of God, we're also called to image His work ethic. The Lord worked to create the world. The Bible tells us that after he created the world, he rested. After he had finished the work that he had done. So as creatures who have been made responsible for God's creation, we are to exercise the same care and love for his creation, the same care that he has. And he's given us the means to do it. We were created with a mandate, but also given the means to fulfill that mandate. And so we're called to work. Work according to our abilities. The Bible, congregation, does not admonish people who cannot work, but the Bible does admonish those who will not work. Ephesians four twenty eight Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he might, may have something to share with anyone in need. Or 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 12, where Paul writes, Now we command you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from any brother who is walking in idleness and not in accord with the tradition that you receive from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to imitate us, because we were not idle when we were with you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with toil and labor we worked night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you. It was not because we do not have the right, but to give you in ourselves an example to imitate. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command, If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies." Such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. So it's clear from scripture that if you are able-bodied, you are not to be idle and may not live in idleness. No one has the right to feel as if God simply owes them a living or that... The church or the government or society owes us a livelihood. In spite of pain and sweat, we are called to work. And the Lord gives us a great variety of means by which we can earn our daily living. He also He provides us with, with wisdom, intelligence, health, strength. And he also provides the work itself. And through that work, by the means of our labor, he gives us homes and clothing... And food, education, all that we need to live in this life. So God is the great provider. We are dependent on him, not only for our daily bread, but also for our daily labor. And so when we ask God for our daily bread, we place ourselves under the obligation to go to work. But there's more to this petition. We confess in Lord's Day 50 that our care and labor and the gifts we receive cannot do us any good without God's blessing. God's blessing gives meaning to everything that we have and everything that we do. But what does it mean to live under God's blessing, congregation? It means that we have peace with God. It means that we live in communion with God and fellowship with God. It means that you may call Him Father, that you are His child. It means that you trust Him to take care of you, to give you your daily bread, and that you thank Him for that. It means that you are welcome at the table of the Lord and accepted by Him in Jesus Christ. So without His blessing, our care and labor are worth nothing. That's also the message of Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Without God's blessing, it's a waste of time to go to work and to get up early in the morning and come home late with, anxious, with an anxious mind. Without God's blessing, it doesn't matter how hard you work or how much money you have. You will not have peace with him without his blessing Without His blessing, our work cannot please Him. Without His blessing, our possessions cannot please Him. But when we live under God's blessing, when He is our Father, when we have peace with Him through the Lord Jesus Christ, then all of our material goods, our care and labor and our gifts and our possessions are consecrated to God in service to our Heavenly Father. Paul writes... To Timothy about that in 1 Timothy chapter 4 when we receive our gifts from God in thanksgiving when we're thankful for all that we receive from our heavenly father Paul writes then all that we have is made holy by the word of God and prayer let's think about what that means when you live in communion with your father in heaven and you can thank him for everything that you have received then all that you do and all that you have is consecrated to his service. Just as you are holy in Christ, so all that you have and all that you do is holy. And as the Catechism students know, holy means to be set apart, to be consecrated to God. And that then has implications for our everyday life, doesn't it? Your house and your car and your kitchen gadgets and your iPhone and your computer and all the clothes in your closet and the toys in your toy bin and the toys in your garage and your daily food and your health and your strength. If you belong to God, all of that is consecrated to the Lord. It is all holy if you can thank your Father in heaven for these things. And that means that all of these things, and many more besides, of course, must be dedicated to his service. And again, think about that for a moment. Imagine going through your cupboards, and your closets, and your tool shed, and your garage, and your shop, with that in mind, that all of that is consecrated to the Lord. So when you pray, give us this day our daily bread, you are asking for much more than food for the day. You are even asking God for more than a good day or a good life. You are asking for a life of peace with God. You are asking that you might be blessed in a material way so that you can serve God in his kingdom, doing his will, honoring his name the first three petitions. It is for that purpose that you were created. It is for that purpose that you have been redeemed. And that is why God will not leave you unprovided. He will bless you as he has promised you with everything that you need so that you can serve him as a redeemed child in the place that he has given you. And that's also why we may and we must trust him That's our final point. The last part of our confession in Lord's Day 50 says, Grant therefore that we may withdraw our trust from all creatures and place it only in you. It's a prayer for trust. We live in the reality that every day brings its own concerns. Jesus acknowledged that as well when he said, don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough trouble of its own. Let tomorrow worry about itself. We are always vulnerable, aren't we, for all kinds of things, for accidents and disease and temptation. And so it's difficult for us to withdraw our trust from creatures and earthly wealth, material wealth, earthly security, It's difficult for us to do that. And that doesn't mean that we shouldn't trust one another. Right? On the contrary, we should build relationships of trust with people, with employers, with employees, etc., etc. But what the catechism really is getting at here is is the basis of our ultimate trust. To whom do we look for our daily brand? Should children place their trust in Dad to make sure that he brings home the bacon because he can do it? Should our trust be in the medical system when we get sick? Should we trust the government to provide us with security? Should we depend on our pension plan or our investments for the future? How do we know that our dollar today won't be worth a few pennies tomorrow? The Apostle Paul warns Timothy about that in 1 Timothy chapter 6. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. Well, congregation, that's a warning for us as well, isn't it? Think about the children of Israel Israel in the Old Testament. We're, We're not really that much different than them at all. When Israel left Egypt, how long did it take for them to start complaining and not trust the Lord? They were only into the wilderness travels for just a few days, and they were already complaining about food and water. Suddenly, their slavery in Egypt didn't seem so bad anymore. At least least in Egypt, their bellies were full. But God was testing his people in the wilderness to see whether or not they trusted him to see whether or not they were happy to be his children. And then even when they arrived in the land of Canaan, how often did they not show a lack of trust? Certainly not because the Lord was unable to provide or unwilling to do so. God had not forgotten his people, but so often they forgot him. And instead of giving him credit for their new homes and their new land, they started worshiping the very gods that Yahweh had defeated. They refused to acknowledge his care and blessings. Well, what about us, brothers and sisters? Do we trust the Lord for our daily needs? Or do we place our trust in our own skills, our own intelligence, our own business acumen? Our investment strategy. And do we claim personal credit for our successes? For our paycheck? Do you claim personal credit for your high grade point average? Who gets the credit? Where do we place our trust? The Lord has given us a mandate to work. But that doesn't mean that we are allowed to trust in the means which he has been given, which he has given us for our daily bread. We are not to trust our ability to produce an income. We're not to trust in our work, but the one who enables us to work. And we're not to worry about tomorrow. That's a weakness that we all have, isn't it? I don't think I'd be overstating the case to say that our concerns for temporal and earthly matters usually take up much more of our time and our thoughts than our concerns for the kingdom of heaven. Even when we sit in church, we often have a hard time putting aside our concerns about our daily life. The cares of this world very easily choke out the preaching of God's word. Even though we know and confess that our Father in heaven will always provide for us and always care for us and gives us everything that we need, we still worry. Why? Does the Father not feed and clothe all of his creatures, as the psalmist says in Psalm 104? Doesn't he provide grass for the cattle? He even cares for the sparrows. Jesus tells us to to look at the birds and the flowers, and, and he says, are you of not more value than they? Do you not mean much more to God than two sparrows or some flowers? The Lord Jesus says the unbelievers live in constant anxiety. They're always looking, wondering about what are we going to eat, what are we going to drink, how will we be clothed tomorrow. But he says, Your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Our Father in heaven knows what we need. He knows our greatest need, and he has met that need in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we confess that on the cross, Christ removed the cause of our eternal hunger and misery, namely sin. Our Father has given us the bread of life. The true food and drink of life eternal. Words that we find in the form for Lord's Supper. Well, if that's true, then, then will He not give us everything that we need for this life? If He knows our spiritual needs so well, surely He knows our physical needs. And if He has provided for our spiritual needs with the greatest miracle... You can never imagine, surely it is a small thing for him to provide us with our earthly needs. After all, he is the overflowing fountain of all good. And God's fountain never runs dry. He is, after all, the sovereign creator. And so our daily bread, dear brothers and sisters, our daily bread doesn't depend on the economy Or any other human circumstances. But our daily bread comes from the hand of our Heavenly Father. And via His blessing on our care and our labor. We should be grateful that the Lord Jesus taught us to pray this petition. To pray for our daily bread. He did this in the sure knowledge that our Father, His Father, loves us too. And since our Father loves us, He will certainly look after the needs of His children. After all, he bought those children with the precious blood of his son, Jesus Christ. And so, brothers and sisters, let's, let's go into the coming week with that knowledge. That as God's children, our care and labor are dedicated to him. And also in the full assurance that when we trust him, he will bless that. He will bless our care and labor because we are his children but with the precious blood of Christ. Amen.